Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. Christmas, and my name is Matt. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, glad we get to be together here today. It's a wonderful time to celebrate Jesus. Any time is, really. But uh, this season is a great time to celebrate Jesus as even it's okay to talk about and say his name in the world during this time. Isn't that amazing? So we're going to take advantage of that at all times to say his name, to lift up his name, to bring him glory. That's really what we're here for. His name is the greatest. It has all the power right? At his name, every knee will bow at some point. Every tongue will confess that we get to say and know his name. We're not just saying the name of someone we don't know. We're, we know someone so we can say his name. I'm so thankful for that. And, um, you know, there was a whole decade of my life, my mid-teens to late or mid-20s, where I didn't celebrate Christmas. I don't know if you knew that. Um, My family had started doing some research on the origins of the holiday and found some pagan roots with some of the things mixed in. And so uh, we just stopped it all together, which was a bummer for me, (laughs) right? And so um, we used to go up, cut the trees, a family up in the woods and bring it in and have a big time and, you know, the gifts and just the feel and all that stuff. And so I went from really celebrating Christmas to not at all for, for, as I said, a decade, and during that time, you know, I was in my, my teen years through high school and then beyond that, um, all those years during Christmas, I was alone. I would, I would never say Merry Christmas. I would never watch It's a Wonderful Life, one of my favorite movies. I would not, um, you know, no tree, no gifts, no lights, no fun, no happy, right? None of that stuff. And then on Christmas Day, it was me in a Chinese restaurant by myself, because they're the only ones open on Christmas Day. And so that was basically it. And then, you know, as I started moving along and actually got married and um, started being around some other people who were really strong, solid Christians who knew God in a personal way, probably better than I did, and yet they did celebrate Christmas. And so I thought, wait a minute, I don't understand how someone could be close to God and celebrate this horrible thing. Isn't that crazy? our thinking sometimes. Then I started to realize a few things, like the days of the week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? Do you know when we get those days of the week, those names? They're from Roman or Norse gods. Monday is from moon day. Tuesday is named after the god of war. Wednesday is some other god. Thursday is named after Thor. Thor's day right? You've got all these gods of all, and that's what we call it every single day. And then I realized that my clothing isn't 100% wool or 100% cotton. It's got some mixture in it, which biblically, you shouldn't have any of that, right? If you're looking just at the Old Testament of those type of things, and you realize that a lot of things are a mixture. I think of this building. You know, the people who built this building, it was built for um, it was called HQ. Some of you lived back here back then in Winston-Salem, which is kind of the before Lowe's and Home Depot. So it was made for a home furnishings kind of store. 
And it wasn't made for a church. It wasn't dedicated to God when it was built. But guess what? Here we are, and we're worshiping Jesus in this building. So we have, in a sense, redeemed that which was built for something else. I love that. And I also realized that if you're going to have 100% pure in everything without any type of mixture, you're going to be in heaven. <laughs> Isn't that true? That's really true. And we will be one day, but not yet. Not yet. It's not our time yet. So we need to be in the world, but not of it. We need to have the Spirit of God in us. And where we go, he is going because he is in us. Jesus said, in fact, he prayed this way, Father, don't take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one while they're in it. And then he said, pray this way, that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done on the earth as it is in heaven. So wherever we are, we are to bring the kingdom of heaven wherever we are. In whatever situation, whatever building was used for something else, we now bring the kingdom into that building, right? Whatever clothes we're wearing might be made for someone else, but now it's made for me. And Jesus lives inside of me, and so we redeem things. The, the thing about Jesus, one of the things about him, from the very beginning is that he is the redeemer. He redeems and he restores and he heals, and he sets free, and he changes things that were meant for something else into something even more beautiful. I was even thinking of the, the city of Jerusalem, which is, I mean, it is the city of David. It's the city where Jesus will return to. It's where he died, and then he'll return to all the things related to Jerusalem. You know, it was not built a holy city to begin with. Did you know that? It was basically a Canaanite city stronghold that God took over, completely changed it, and now it's the I mean, Jerusalem is like this, the center place of the world. Spiritually speaking, pretty amazing. Was not built, was not intended in the beginning for God. God redeemed it, and he's continuing to. So it's, I, as I then realized that, I started to really enjoy, and then I would see things like in the Psalms, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, no matter what day it is. Let's rejoice. Plus, I started to realize that Christmas was this one time of the year that even the world would be receptive to the name of Jesus, that we can talk about him and sing about him. Even if he wasn't necessarily born on the 25th, which we don't know, and he probably wasn't, who cares? The Bible's not clear about that. So we can pick a day and let's celebrate his coming. Let's celebrate light coming into the world. Let's celebrate who he is, what he's done. We can have a big time. Doesn't matter what the world does, we can do this in a way that brings honor to the Lord. Because Jesus is, he is real, he's not a tradition. He's a real person. He's a reality. He's not a fairy tale, he's alive. He's not a story only, but he is the greatest story of all time for all of us. Isaiah the prophet proclaimed, and you've heard this a couple of times already today, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. They're going to say that about a child. What a prophecy. There will be no end to the increase of his government 
or of peace. No end to the increase of peace. Peace will increase and increase and increase because of Jesus. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. Isaiah 9, 600 years after these words were proclaimed and penned by Isaiah, the child that was prophesied was born, as you know, 600 years later. And he was no ordinary baby, no ordinary situation or circumstance. Mary, probably a teenager herself, carrying a child when she was a virgin, An angel had appeared to her, told her this would happen, gave her the opportunity to say, yes, Lord, let it be done according to your word. And then she and her fiance, Joseph, you know the story, traveled. I looked on the map, it's about 80 to 90 miles. Those of you who've had children, and been pregnant, nine months pregnant, imagine a journey 80 to 90 miles long when you're nine months or so pregnant without a car. Walking or donkey or whatever they had, that's a long journey. That's at least four nights of camping, probably more like five, to get there and, you and you know, you don't know what bandits or robbers or whatever's gonna be out and about in the middle of the night. It was a perilous journey to even get there. And I, I was thinking, as I read that, I was thinking of this. It was the, basically the Roman Empire that required the census be taken and that you had to go back to basically the city of your lineage, which is why they were going to Bethlehem from Nazareth. And what a, what a pain. Everything about it was inconvenient. There's nothing convenient about taking a nine-month pregnant woman and going on a camping trip for five days, walking 80 or 90 miles, and then you don't have a place to stay. No Airbnbs at that point. Or if they were, they were full. Everything was inconvenient. And I realized that, you know, in our life, the same things happened. That sometimes when the law or there's a requirement or you have a job change and you have to move, moving is a pain. You have to do things. It could very well be that God is getting you to some place that he needs you to be at the perfect moment. Think of the journey for all of you to be here in this room right now, sitting in the chair you've been, you were in. The things that have happened to get you here. I get, my guess is that many of them were very inconvenient. Some might maybe you'd call maybe in the category of an upheaval. Major changes, yet here you are. God can use anything to his advantage, and he does. And sometimes, again, those difficult things, God is about to show up. He will help. He will align you. There'll be moments where you're right in the middle of his plan and purposes, and you could have never imagined it would ever happen that way. That's what happened here as they're going to Bethlehem. And the reason for that is because God causes all things to work together for the good, right? For those who are called, who love him and are called according to his purpose. 
but God needed to get them to Bethlehem. Why? Because it was prophesied of something would come out of Bethlehem that would be a king. You know that David, King David was born in Bethlehem. He was a shepherd also. And then the king of kings was prophesied that he would be from Bethlehem. So Mary had to get there. And that journey was well worth it as Jesus, the king of kings, was born in this town that is small and insignificant. That's what it says in Isaiah. This insignificant town, Bethlehem, was where King David would come from. And then 28 grandchildren down from King David was Jesus. He was 28, that's a lot of generations behind Jesus to get to David. Same lineage here in this town that is known for, from the time of King David, known to be a place that raised sheep that were perfect sheep. They weren't all, but many of them were for the sacrifices. So it was known as the place where the lamb would be prepared and watched over and make sure it wasn't bruised for the sacrifice. Perfect lambs. How about that one? This is the town known for raising perfect lambs for sacrifice. And Jesus, of course, is born there a thousand years after David was there. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. How about the moment that Mary read that verse? After the angel had been speaking to her and telling her this, I think there was probably a moment where she read that or heard it read maybe in the temple, and recognize that is me. I'm that one. I am carrying Emmanuel. She may not have known that it was going to be God. She may have. But this would have helped helped her understand that she was carrying God with her, inside of her. And there's another thing there, honestly, with us that we carry Jesus. We are not just associated with him. We don't just follow him. We aren't just watching from afar. He says in in Corinthians, it says over and over, that he lives on the inside of us. That where we go, he is with us. It's Emmanuel, not only with us, but in us. Emmanuel in us. And I love that it also this place that Jesus was born, where he was laying in that manger. You know, Bethlehem means house of bread. House of bread is the the literal meaning for Bethlehem. Jesus said in John chapter six, I am the bread of life that came down out of heaven to give life to the world. So you've got another prophecy fulfilled, another prophecy speaking forth of something having this amazing meaning, and there you've got Jesus lying in this manger, and he is the bread of life that was sent straight from heaven. And inside of him was something so powerful. It says that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin, right? So lying in the manger was not only the bread from heaven, but it was a baby, and his veins were filled with the antidote to all sin, 
the cleansing power for all sin for that time and all the way into the future to today was right there in a manger. Seth and Bridget just had their baby. Is Ruby here? So Ruby's even here. Awesome. And we have a lot of babies in here. You know, when we've had ours and you hold them, it would be the very last thing you would ever, ever consider to give this child for someone else's life. I mean, you, you want to take care of this child. You want nothing to happen to this child. And I remember when they would get hurt, um, you weep because they are hurting. You are hurting because they are hurting. And you realize that with Jesus, the father had planned because there was no other way, there was no other way to cleanse mankind, to help save us. He had to give his own son and watch him go through everything that he went through. And I really believe that when Jesus said on the cross, Father, why have you forsaken me? When he, I think it was honestly the father, just so hurting and heartbroken at watching what they were doing to his son that he turned. I don't think it was that he was ashamed of him in any way or by the sin he was carrying. It was the very reason he was there to carry that sin. And I had an experience like that with uh, our second son, Seth, who was, he had some problems after he was born with breathing. He had fluid in his lungs. They're trying to get the fluid out. He was in the ICU for several days. We didn't get to take him home immediately. Then we finally did. He had more problems, so we had to take him back. And I remember, I'll never forget it, being in the, in the room there in the hospital as the nurses are doing their best trying to get the needle into his veins to give him some fluid and to help him out. And they, he had these tiny little veins. He's a baby. He's a few days old. And they could not get that needle in that vein. So it was a prick. And it was a prick. And he would scream and cry. And it was probably on about the eighth or ninth prick. I couldn't handle it anymore. I was in the room. And I, I turned and I left the room crying. I, I, couldn't, I could not handle watching that, to me, torture to this little guy. And if that is how I felt for my little guy, when they weren't doing that on purpose, they were trying to help him, what about the father with the son, his son, Jesus? What about how he felt with what he went through and what he said? I think that turning was certainly not against his son, but probably because he was, he was suffering. That certainly would have, been, would have been me for sure. You know, the story of Jesus coming is one part, and then the other part is why. Why did he come? This is the, one of these days to remember Jesus, to remember his coming as the light of the world, but also the why, the why did he come? Because that's connected to how he came is the why. At the time of Jesus and for most of the ancient times and in ancient history, what we're talking about is slavery around the world. Probably a third to half the world was enslaved for thousands of years. Slavery is not a new thing. It's actually been around a long, long time. So this is what the world had 
gotten to, the place the world had gotten to, after the Garden of Eden, after the sin of Adam and Eve, there was a, a slipping and sin um, rampant, death rampant, killing rampant. We still have a lot of these things, obviously. But there was no hope. If you were to talk to rabbis, even today or back then, if you asked about the mindset related to the afterlife for Hebrew people and Jewish people, it would, you would hear the word, which is in the, it's a biblical word, sheol, is mentioned several times. It means place of the dead. It basically meant that once you die, you go to sleep. You're kind of unconscious forever, both good people and bad people. And then occasionally, God could take somebody really likes, like Enoch or Elijah, he could take them to heaven. But as far as salvation or eternal life, that was not a term that was even mentioned or talked about. So before Jesus, what we have is the earth and the sin that is just growing in people's lives that are hurting and all of the death and all of those things and not even a hope of eternal life. That, that phrase hadn't even happened. Jesus came and he introduces a language that had never been spoken before, which is what was shocking to the followers of God who were Jewish as well, because he starts talking about eternal life. And it really angered them that he could speak on such a thing. They were okay with him healing people, unless it was the Sabbath. But if you talked about sins being forgiven and living forever, eternal life, they really got upset. These were brand new concepts. You realize that with Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, when in that manger was life. And that life has given us life to live forever, which is over just the last 2,000 years, a brand new concept that we get to live eternally with him. Jesus said a few things here. It's pretty amazing of himself as he came. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. People didn't know that either. That God so loved the world that he doesn't hate mankind, that he doesn't hate humanity, doesn't hate people. He loves the world, that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Eternal life, get to live forever. And then Jesus said in John 17, three, this is eternal life, that they may know you. There's another brand new concept. Knowing God personally, not just knowing about him. Jesus made the way, showed us the Father, but he showed us how to have a relationship with the Father. He said, this is eternal life, knowing you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. Then he identified this, that the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, but I came that you might have life and might have it abundantly. You'd have abundant life, not just be alive, breathing with a, with a heartbeat, but fully alive, alive in your spirit, alive in your mind and your soul, alive in your body. He brought healing for us. He gave us abundant life. And of course, he said that he 
is the way, the truth, and all the life. He said this also. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Even if you die, you will live again. Even if you die, you will live again. There's an incredible hope. Even if and when you and I die, we will live again. They didn't have that before Jesus. There was no hope there. There was just sleeping forever. And now there's this hope. We get to live with God. Not only do I get to know him here, but I get to live forever with him. And who knows what he has for us beyond this life. We know some things. We get to rule and reign with him, whatever that looks like. The name Jesus, of course, is Yeshua in Hebrew, which means salvation. Just like Bethlehem means house of bread, Yeshua means salvation. So when this Simeon, remember after Jesus was born, several days later, she brings, Mary and Joseph bring him to the temple and there's Simeon and Anna, these people who had been waiting. David was just mentioning that. Simeon had been waiting to see this. He said the Holy Spirit told him, Simeon said this, that he would, before he died, he'd get to see the Messiah. And so when Mary walks in to the temple to present Jesus, Simeon holds him in his arms. And he says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. I don't think he knew what his name was, but he prophesied it. It's what he was. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Luke 2, Jesus is the antidote to all sin. He is the ransom for our lives that we would be changed from one kingdom, the kingdom of darkness. He would, those who all, everyone who believes are transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the sun. And lying in that manger also was the kingdom, the king of the kingdom. With this brand new kingdom coming to the earth, Jesus, in that for a while, in baby form, represented that. It's the beginning of the gospel as well. Christmas represents the beginning of the gospel message of Jesus coming to the earth, being sent by the Father to set us free to save us, to change slavery. Although it was only half the world, only, enslaved, 100% enslaved to sin. And Jesus came to set us free from being enslaved to sin. Thank you, Lord. Aren't you thankful for that? Receiving him means freedom. And receiving him, making room in your hearts for him, means wholeness and joy and peace. And so Christmas is a celebration that he came and that he lives, that he lived and he died and he rose again, and now he lives on the inside of me and I get to live forever eternally with him. It is the best news of all time. It's the best story of all time. We live in a selfish world, selfish, selfish world, where it's all about me. And God is the exact opposite. He's all about others. He's all about helping saving, setting free, and Jesus is not only the light of the world, he is the answer, he is the way, he is salvation, he's the ransoming agent, his blood has that antidote, and it is so powerful that it cleanses us from sin. That's amazing. 
over and over and over, those lambs that were being killed, every year that perfect lamb in Bethlehem that would be slaughtered would cover over sin for a little while. Cover over, not cleanse. And then when the lamb of God, the one, the bread of life lying in a manger, grew up, became a man, died for us, the perfect lamb of God, which is one of his other names, that blood cleanses us entirely. One time for all time. One sacrifice for all time. And then we can have access to that blood at any time. Do you realize that? Right now, you have access to the blood of Jesus. I have access to the cleansing blood of Jesus, the most powerful substance that's ever been on the earth. We have access. By faith, sin is cleansed. That's what really, again, ticked off the Pharisees, that that would even be a possibility. That that would even be a possibility. And here, just by confessing with our mouth, believing in our heart, we are forgiven, set free. Goodness, Jesus is the answer for us today. In Isaiah 1, verse 18, it says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. There's a prophecy, again, 600 years before Jesus, that we could have our sins forgiven. Jesus is the one who's done that for us. And he was not just sent to earth for some people. It's personal. That's another thing I'm reminded of about Christmas is he came for me. He came for you personally. And to, to put yourself in that place, he came for me. And as someone made room in their barn for him, I make room in my heart for him to live and to take over, to cleanse and to fill. And I'm going to rejoice and remember all of my days, all that he's done. And that you are never alone. I'm never alone. Even if it feels that way sometimes. Even if things are inconvenient at times. My guess is that Mary and Joseph probably felt that this was not only uh, a difficult thing, but everything probably felt imperfect. It was inconvenient, imperfect. It, I don't know if they felt any chills at all. I think it was just hard. I think it was just difficult, but here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. Here comes the king of the universe, the prince of peace, right in the middle of that. Whatever's going on in your life, the prince of peace is here. The prince of peace is available to help and to heal and to fill and to lead and to give clarity. And if you haven't received him, there may be some of you here today, you've not opened up your heart, your life, your faith to receive him, to turn from your way. I encourage you to do that today. One prayer away, one step of faith gets you on a road that is completely different than the one you've been on. And he makes all things new. He starts to change everything in your life. If we say yes to him, it's not just believing, says even the demons believe. Just having a, a belief in God doesn't cut it, right? That's not receiving him. 
I don't want to just believe that he exists. I want to receive him into my heart and let him fill me and change me as I follow him and my life is not about myself anymore. Just as God is the most generous father, the most generous being in the universe, he gives and he gave his only son. Now we get to give our lives to the son who gave his life for us. Amazing. If that's you today and you haven't given your life to the Lord, please do. We're gonna have some prayer team folks up here in just one moment. They would love to walk you through that, pray with you, surround you, be with you, answer questions if you have some. But don't let this Christmas season go by without giving him your life. Jesus' name means salvation. There's a scripture that says today is the day of salvation. That the day you said yes was your day of salvation. The day of Jesus. The day of Jesus coming into your life. He loves you. He wants you. And we get to celebrate him. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.